Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation. My name is Brian Diardo, and uh, we're actually going live today for the first time. Pittsburgh Steelers on 24-7 Sports is our sponsor. And welcome again to the Steel Conversation. We're taking your calls. 619-924-9828 is the number. Once again, that's 619-924-9828 to join the conversation. And we're just going to talk about uh, pretty much anything Steeler-related. We've got 30 minutes, as I said. Uh, a lot's going on, even though it's the off season. It's only been about two weeks into the Steelers' off season, but uh, today, Wednesday, is really the first time that that news is surfacing now looking forward into the 2016 season. The Steelers talked to their first uh, draft prospect uh, earlier this week. Um, they've also gauged interest in another uh, athlete that's also down in Mobile, Alabama, for the Senior Bowl. So that's where the Steelers' brass is currently in the final week of the month of January. Also discussed the Super Bowl 50 team, uh, which came out earlier today. And uh, might talk about some other Steelers free agents that the team currently has. I don't uh, foresee the Steelers doing a lot of work uh, in free agency as they did a year ago. I know, obviously, that the big uh, uh, player that the Steelers got was D'Angelo Williams, and, and man, did he pay off for the Steelers this year. I think the, 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 the story, more or less, is not who we might get, but who we need to keep or who we will decide to keep. Uh, Darius Hayward Bay, Ramon Foster, uh, and William Gay are a couple of Steelers uh, that are kind of on the docket, and the Steelers may or may not get rid of them. Uh, also, let's, we're going to talk, too, about the secondary potentially if we have time. Uh, you know, that's kind of the big question mark with the Steelers' defense is the secondary, so we'll discuss that. And also, the quarterback situation. Uh, and I kind of uh, uh, foreshadowed that a little bit at the, the top of the show talking about uh, who the Steelers might take in the draft, who they've been talking to down in Mobile. So uh, we will address that as well. And let's get that started. Uh, the Steelers have talked to Cody Kessler uh, from USC. That's been reported. Um, Cody Kessler uh, played for USC the last four years and, and had a pretty good uh, good resume. He completed about you know almost 70% of his passes, about 65 66% range, uh, over 10,000 career passing yards, 88 touchdowns, 19 interceptions. Um didn't have a, a gaudy win-loss record. Um, that's not all, all obviously, you know, his fault. Uh, he led USC to a 8-6 and six record last year, a bowl loss to Wisconsin. But uh, the pros uh, with Kessler, from what I've read on NFL.com, his scouting report, um, an accurate passer in the pocket. Uh, and he'll, quote, unquote, play some pitch and catch with his receivers, which means if, if he is in a rapport with a receiver, a.k.a. Antonio Brown, you know, it doesn't take him long to find a good rapport, a good rhythm, and then just keep going to that guy, which is great. Uh, you know, that's something that you know obviously Ben has with Antonio Brown twice last year. They hooked up for over 15 catches in a game, which was an NFL record. So you know that's obviously something that the Steelers definitely want. And you know who's going to be Big Ben's backup looking going forward. So along with Kessler, the Steelers have also looked at Braxton Miller, who that's an interesting guy because. He was a receiver last year. Hasn't played quarterback since the 2013 season. If you remember, he actually played for the Buckeyes in college. Started as a true freshman in 2011. That was during the Jim Trestle suspension era. Um, quarterback then the two regular season undefeated seasons in 2012 and 2013. Then suffered an injury and sat out uh, all of the 2014 season before coming back in 2015 and uh, converting to a wide receiver. Uh, but he had two 1,000-yard rushing seasons as a starting quarterback. Uh, completion percentage not as high as Kessler's, more around just the 60 59% range. 
But that obviously isn't his skill set. He didn't even try to compete uh, with Ohio State's other starting quarterbacks last year, J.T. Barrett and Cartel Jones, uh, for the starting quarterback position. Um, but he's just, again, the Steelers, as you know, they love their dual threats. Uh, they love having that kind of versatility. And, you know, Braxton's one of those guys that you know will not compete uh, with Ben Roethlisberger at any point for the starting quarterback position. Um, but he's a guy that, heck, he could run back kicks or punts for the Steelers. As as everybody knows, the Jacoby Jones uh, project was, was a failure. Uh, the Steelers gave up on Dry Archer a little past the halfway point in the last season. And, you know, the Steelers are in the divisional round game with, with um, you know, Marcus Wheaton as their punt returner because the or Antonio Brown was hurt. So the Steelers definitely need a punt returner. And uh, But the, the question is with that, how high are you willing to draft to get a punt returner? Obviously, uh, Braxton has to show you more tangibles than that, um, which apparently he's been the talk of the senior bowl. New England is obviously uh, – they've expressed interest in him. Kansas City's expressed interest in him. There's talk now that Braxton could be a second-round draft pick. The question about Braxton, though, he's, he's a he's a thick, strong guy. He's 6'2", 215, but he's injury-prone. He's He suffered a couple injuries at OSU, obviously um, – suffered the injury that, that knocked him out for the whole 2014 season, suffered a head injury uh, this season. So, you know, Braxton is a guy that, that the injury bug is something that you have to worry about when you're when you're spending a draft pick that high. Um, so that's kind of the, the you know, I know uh, just from reading, this, you know, the comments on Steelers, you know, pit.247sports.com, you know, I go on our Facebook page, a lot of the questions are, uh, you know, are we gonna, what are we going to do with the quarterback? Because, most of your fans, from what I'm gauging, they, they don't like what we've got right now with, with Vic, with Landry Jones, and with Bruce Gretkowski. I don't. I can almost guarantee the Steelers are going to draft a quarterback in the first three rounds. I would guess, unless uh, there's just a talent that's just too good at quarterback that gets that, that 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 arrives to us in the first round that we can't pass on. But it definitely is getting to that point uh, where the Steelers are going to have to start thinking that way uh, in terms of just getting you know, a good backup quarterback for the future. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, 33 years old, going to be 34 uh, next month. Um, I, I would say he's still got three or four really, really good seasons left in him as long as he can stay healthy. That offensive line's got to, you know, it did okay this year. It did pretty well, especially considering that we didn't have Marquise County. We didn't have Kelvin Beecham. But you saw what happened just when, you know, when they slipped up just a little bit, Ben missed time. And some of that is, again, Ben likes to hold the ball. He likes to extend plays. That's what happened when Vontaze Burford fell on his arm uh, in the AFC wild card game. Ben was, you know, Ben even said in his press conference, no, he wasn't even trying to protect Foster. He was telling the truth. Foster did a pretty good job on Burford. But, you know, normally they say in football, and anybody that plays knows this or has played, you know, you're only supposed to block someone for three seconds. So that's about the amount of time that, that you need to block someone. Obviously, sometimes you need to do more. You know, that was probably, what, five, six, seven seconds before Ben got hit by Burkett. So, you know, that's something, too, that when Ben gets older, he'll have to work on. Um, so that's kind of been the talk of, of, of uh, Senior Bowl and where the Steelers are at. And, you know, my opinion is that the Steelers, I would guess, are either going to part ways. I mean, they're definitely going to part ways with one of the three quarterbacks they have right now behind Ben. Uh and I know this is crazy. We actually have our first caller, so I'm going to introduce him now. Hello, welcome to the show. Uh, um, hi, my name is Angel. Okay. Here. I can uh, hear you. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your well, question, sir? Well, my question is, why don't the Steelers get better cornerbacks? I mean, because they have 
have have Boykin and I believe Boykin's good. I guess you can say good corner, good like corner, like corner router kind of quarterback. I mean, that like he's always just like keeping him out, like and they're doing a little routes. But anything else than that, all the other corners I've seen, you know, this year, okay, I know, since I was born, it's like, I've been, I've been seeing get beat on that. And it's like, and the quarterbacks, like, when, when it comes to both the, both, like, Michael Vick and Landry, I just, like, Michael Vick is good, but, like, I don't think Landry can hold that pressure. I believe they need a, a that good, solid secondary cornerback that can step in on, with a, and Ben, like, really hurt or something like that. No, and you make a lot of good points. Yeah, you make a lot of good points, and thanks for your call. Uh, let's address the cornerback situation first. I, I think, uh, I think you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Senquez Golston. The Steelers definitely, you know, they went linebacker again for the third year in a row last year, um, thinking that they could get Senquez in the second round, which they were able to do. And then he suffered that injury and was out all of last year. I, I think that's one thing, uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to read your mind, but I'm sure you're not an Antoine Blake fan like most people aren't. But the reality was, uh, you know, Boykin had a little – he had some injury issues at the start of the season, and the Steelers weren't happy with his ability to cover in the slot. Um, so they had to move him around. And, and Carnell Lake, the Steelers' secondary coach, wasn't comfortable playing Boykin yet. That was the – if you remember, that was the big question mark all of last season. Yeah. Was, why isn't mm-hmm. Boykin playing? It was just because the Steelers just didn't trust him playing the defense that they wanted to. And that's one of the reasons why Philly got rid of him was because he was – kind of a one-trick pony. They didn't like him in the slot. And if if you remember, well, you know, the second-round game, that big third-down reception, that was in the slot, and Boykin was covering. It wasn't terrible coverage, but that's what the Steelers were afraid of. So I, I think the thing is that they want to see where Cockrell develops. They want to see where Boykin develops. They're definitely not going to get rid of Boykin because they just got him last year, and they just they just spent a fifth-round pick on him. Uh, and we don't know what's going to happen with Golson. I, I guarantee that the Steelers um, – are going to go cornerback in the first round. I would be shocked if they didn't, and I think they're going to go uh, quarterback in the second round if Kessler is available. Um, and that's, that's again, I think to, to your second question, just about the quarterbacks. Um, I think at some point, if you see what the Packers did 10 years with Rodgers, mm-hmm. you, just, you just commit to getting a quarterback. Um, I wouldn't be disappointed to see what yeah. that this year. I think the thing is, if you do that, you might be sending the wrong message to Ben. But I think Ben is secure enough with himself and with the steel organization that he might be okay having someone under his wings. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Again, A, because I think the Steelers are still a year or two away from, from committing to drafting a first-round quarterback. And B, I don't think there's just anybody in this draft that blows you away, if that makes sense. So, um, But thank you again for your call. Uh, we're going to get somebody else in now. Uh, hello, welcome to the show. Uh, hello. I yeah. have a uh, I have a que- I have a question about uh, the history of the Steelers drafting players from Ohio State. I just want to get your opinion on: Do you think there's any chance we could take a Braxton Miller and uh, turn him into a reliable slot receiver, such as like a Heinz Ward or somebody? That's a great question, and. You look in general at Ohio State, and I'm guessing you're from Ohio? I am, yes. I'm from Pickerington, Ohio, okay, cool. actually. Okay, cool. Okay, all right. Yep, that, that's right in Ohio State's backyard. Yeah, I, I think I think the Steelers, uh, you know, they, they had the Dick LeBeau factor. He was an alumni from Ohio State. They've got some uh, connections to the Buckeye State in that way. Uh, you know, they brought in Shazier 
Last year, geez, you go to the other side of the ball, you know, they've had San Antonio Holmes, they have Allen now, uh, the strong safety for Ohio State that did a really good job this past year because no one knew who was going to replace Paul Amalu. A lot of people thought it was going to be Shamarco Thomas, but, you know, for whatever reason, he just he just didn't evolve into anything. Um, so, you know, he did have some, some training camp injuries. So we had Will Allen, Cameron Haywood, which in my opinion is he's the best defensive player Ohio State has uh, at this point. Seven yeah. sacks this past year. Uh, him and Stephon Tewitt are a big reason why, uh, who was from Notre Dame and was our second-round pick back in uh, uh, 2014. Um, he was a big reason why we had those 48 sacks. Uh, now back to Braxton. And I think the main reason why OSU keeps going back, or the Steelers keep going back to OSU is because they just have success with their players. But I think Braxton can. Um, the question is, is he going to be able to beat out uh, Sammy Coates? Is he going to beat out uh, Darius Hayward Day? Or if we pick him up, do we get rid of one of those two receivers? And, and to be honest with you, I think it's way too early to get give up on Coates, especially because of that playoff game he had against Denver with the right. catches for 61 yards. Um, but the other thing uh, is, you know. Thinking more along the lines of like, a, you know, a Randall Well, because he is a quarterback, switch to receiver. He could be that versatile player like Randall Well, Heinz Ward. He can run those trick plays in the middle of the field, you know, bombing it down. Uh, the sideline for for a touchdown. I mean, that's kind of what I have envisioned for him as an NFL player. Right, but let me ask you this, Matt, just to kind of play devil's advocate, and I agree with the, with the point you're, you made, and I, I think, if anything, the Steelers, if they draft him, they need a punt return, they need a kickoff returner. I think that's, that's going a little too high, but he has the other intangibles, so you're not just getting a punt returner. Um, you know, my question to you is, does that bother you a little bit that we might spend a draft on him when there needs to be the cornerback issue addressed? I mean, if we can get him late, you know, a late round, uh, sixth round, I, I don't see why we wouldn't take a chance on him. I mean, and who, I mean, and he is uh, at Ohio State. He has proven to be athletic, so um, I think he could be a versatile player. Um, you know, it's just kind of evident. And, you know, his willingness also to be in the league. So, he'll, he, you know, the only way he can be in the league is as a receiver. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback. He's the type of player that you can probably slot in almost anywhere. You know, he, he can still learn how to play multiple positions, such as a uh, punt returner, kickoff returner, uh, slot receiver. He could probably, he like I said, he can play in the backfield, from the backfield. Um, so, I, that's just kind of my two things. Right. My my two cents was, I mean, right now, the, the 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 how well he's done at the Senior Bowl, New England's interested, Kansas City's interested, the Steelers are interested. He's so far right now uh, has been the talk of the Senior Bowl. My thinking is he's going to be a second-round pick, the way he's going right now. Okay. Obviously, the Senior Bowl hasn't played yet. There's still, you know, we don't have his 40 time yet. We don't have his, you know, there's, that combine hasn't happened yet. A lot can happen between now and, and draft day. I mean, that's, that's May. We're still a ways away. He stands now, he's a second-round pick. I think, you know, based on the other things the Steelers – the nice thing, the luxury for the Steelers are their offense is pretty much set except for backup quarterback. Running backs, receivers, uh, we could stand to get another lineman, I think, but it's not a necessity. Defense, you know, bone up in the, in the secondary. But other than that, you're set at linebacker. You just spent three years getting <laughs> – spending your first-round pick on them. Uh, defensive line, uh, you know, maybe McCullers. LT Walton did nothing for us this past year. He was our fifth round pick, so sixth round pick, excuse me. So the Steelers do have a luxury of drafting a guy like Braxton, and if it doesn't work out that well, you didn't 
necessarily waste a pick. The Steelers are, are good. They're not a Detroit Lions or they're not a Cleveland. You know, if the Browns were interested in Braxton, I think that would be a waste. They need to build a foundation. Right. They need they need linemen, which isn't a sexy pick. But when you have three wins, there's not much sexy about your team. So I think the Steelers, right, right. you know, like you said, they're in that luxury. They can take a shot. All right. Well, it would be cool so, to see. But uh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Thanks for calling from Columbus. I'm sure you're surrounded by Bengal and Browns fans. The whole drone down there. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, that was uh, that was a call from Ohio, so thank you uh, for his call. And, again, we'll continue to take calls here. Dial in whenever you feel like it, 619-924-9828. Once again, 619-924-9828. Uh, a lot of good calls so far, and we'll be happy to take any more if you have them. So we've talked about the cornerback position. We've talked about the quarterback position. Let's talk about some other free agents that the Steelers have to address. They've got Ramon Foster, uh, who's 30 years old, um, there's questions about whether they're going to keep him. Uh, there's questions about uh, William Gay, what they're going to do with him. Uh, so that you know, and Darius Hayward Bay. Um, I think my situation is with Bay. Uh, the Steelers definitely keep this guy. I think he's going to be 29 years old next year, so he's not old yet. He's one of the Steelers' best gunners on special teams. He makes the veterans minimum. He makes clutch catches in large when the Steelers need him to. And by all accounts, the team loves him. I, I don't see Hayward Bay going anywhere unless, you know, Sammy Coates or, or someone else just greatly outplays him. Like, if he brings in that kind of work ethic again uh, next season, I don't see any reason why the Steelers are going to get rid of him. Uh, and, again, I, I I am not affiliated with the team. I just I have a gut feeling that Foster is going to be let go. Um, I think he, he's known as a talker. He was fine once this year for extracurricular activities. Um so that obviously might be an intangible that the Steelers might not like. Uh, you know, 30 years old is not old, but I think right now where Ben's at in his career and the way Villanueva played, I could see when Beecham coming back, Villanueva switches to Foster's old spot, and then they might draft a lineman for insurance. But I think the, the money that Foster's going to want to demand and the money they still have to pay Beecham, that might not be something they want to do. On the other side of that, I think they could keep Foster from this from the standpoint that if Beecham doesn't come back from his injury 100%, and just for the fact that he's experienced, he played in the Super Bowl with the Steelers, you know, he knows Ben's cadences, he has a, a rapport with his, with his teammates and with the running backs, that could be a reason why they keep him. But to me, Foster is pretty simple. It comes down to money. If Foster demands a bigger contract, the Steelers will let him go. If he's willing to negotiate, I think there's a chance they'll keep him. Uh, William Gay, uh, I would also say I think the Steelers keep him just because they want – some sort of continuity in their secondary. But once again, you know, Ike Taylor, uh, Paul Malu, you know, the Steelers are kind of, you know, they'll part ways with even their most famous and, and best players. So I don't put anything past them. Um, you know, but I think Gay played well enough. Again, it comes down to money. I think for this, I think he's got one more year left in Pittsburgh. I think he needs, the Steelers need, in my opinion, a, a defensive presence in the backfield. So I definitely think the Steelers are going to keep William Gay for at least one more year. Um, you know, now, you know, we look at, you know, so we talked about those free agents. And, you know, in large, I, I think in order of who they're going to keep from one to three, you know, I like uh, Kayward Bay one and Gay two and Foster three in that order. They might keep them all or they all might go. I'm not I'm not sure, but that's just my speculation on, on what I think is going to happen. Um so we've kind of talked about the modern-day Steelers. You know, we've, we've talked about who they might draft, talked about their free agent. Um, let's talk – let's go into the past uh, for a little bit, and let's talk about 
the Steelers, uh, all Super Bowl 50, all golden roster. Uh, that was announced. Um, they did this 25 years ago for the for the 25th anniversary uh, team, Super Bowl team, honoring the best players of Super Bowls past. And they're doing it again now. And they released the roster today. Eight Steelers made the roster. Uh, head coach Chuck Knoll uh, over Bill Belichick. And I'll be honest, that surprised me. Uh, Chuck Knoll isn't really regarded a lot as, as, as a great coach. We all know he was, but he didn't write books. You know, he passed away several years ago. He's been out of the spotlight for since he got out of coaching in 90, January of 92. Um, you know, Chuck Knoll is just not a name you hear that often anymore. So the fact that he got it over Belichick I thought was, was pretty neat. Uh, and it also shows that what Knoll was able to uh, do in terms of the draft and what his team did. I mean, Noel really only had one great run. I mean, it was it was 72 to 79. And he was a good coach in the 80s. I mean, look what he was following up. He was following up, you know, a team that won four titles in six years. So no one's going to follow that up. But when you look at what the Steelers did in the 80s, I mean, they uh, went to one AFC championship game. They went to the playoffs several other times. Uh, they had a big win in the 89 playoffs. And they finished, you know, they lost to Denver by a point or else they would have been in the uh, AFC title game in 89. So, you know, Noel had good years after that. But to me, it, it just speaks volumes that, you know, I guess whoever, you know, voted on this selection did all this thing. They looked at Noel's resume, what he did from the time he started in 69 when he was done in 79, and built not just a great team but a great mindset and a great organization that still has that winning edge today. Like, he drafted Joe Green in 1969 – Green was a part of this franchise up until 2013 when he retired as, as a member of the Steelers front office. So this is a guy, Chuck Noll, that his impact is still felt uh, within those walls in the Steelers training facility. So I thought that was very cool that he got rewarded as the head coach and got rewarded for the job he did. Mel Blunt, uh, Franco Harris, uh, Mike Webster, Lynn Swan, obviously Joe Green, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham also made the list. And I, and I think they're all – Extremely deserving. I mean, Lynn Swan uh, is is number two to Jerry Rice for the greatest Super Bowl receiver ever. You could argue he's number one. Um, you know, he had uh, he's second in catches, yards, and touchdowns behind uh, Rice in Super Bowl history. I can even argue, I can argue that Swan was a better Super Bowl receiver than Rice. The same argument that I can make for Bradshaw over Montana or anybody else, which is that plays meant the difference between wins and losses. You know, I think one. Uh, kind of myth about the 70 Steelers, they, they dominated their Super Bowls. That That's not true. In fact, uh, the Super Bowl where the Steelers won by the largest margin of victory was actually the Super Bowl that, that was the tightest one, the one they probably, if they were going to lose any of them, they were going to lose that one. The Rams had the lead in the fourth quarter. Swan's out with a concussion. The Steelers can't run the ball. It's third down and eight. Bradshaw throws a bomb to Stallworth. That gets in the lead. Lambert gets a late pick, and Bradshaw throws another bomb to Stallworth. They score. The game's over. So, you know, all their plays, Swan, Stallworth, Bradshaw, they all made the difference between the Steelers winning one of those Super Bowls, two of the Super Bowls, three, four, or none of them. You know, that's how close all those games were. I mean, I think the one they dominated the most was the first one against Minnesota. They didn't dominate the scoreboard, though. It was 9 nothing. Minnesota gets a, a blocked punt. They score. It's 9-6, to six and Bradshaw has to move them down for the game-winning drive, which he did. Um, so, I, I, you know, that's kind of the thing when you get in these Super Bowl debates. You, you can't just look at numbers. I mean, that's what upsets me. You, you can't look at numbers. And that brings me to my last point uh, that I want to talk about, this whole Super Bowl thing. So, you know, there was an official uh, golden Super Bowl anniversary team that NFL Network uh, released. 
and then there was uh, ESPN made a top 50 greatest Super Bowl players list, and John Elway, I kid you not, was ahead of Terry Bradshaw. Just let that sink in for a second. Um, Brady was one. I want to say Aitman was two. Montana was three. And I think – I know Jerry Rice was ahead of him. Another player, uh, Elway, and then Bradshaw at seventh. Elway was six. Elway was two and three in Super Bowls. His three losses were by 19, 32, and 45 points. He has the most interceptions thrown in Super Bowl history. If you want to argue that Elway was a better quarterback than Bradshaw, you know, I could lose that argument. But there's no way you can and, – and when it, when you look at Aikman, because Aikman was ahead of Bradshaw, Aikman had only threw one touchdown in the last two Super Bowls his team played in. You know, Bradshaw, had, he threw a touchdown in the fourth quarter of every Super Bowl that he played in. And, again, all those games, his performance was a difference between uh, winning and losing the game. So, you know, to me – uh, you know, I was actually flabbergasted when I saw that Elway was ahead of Bradshaw. Not just because Elway was two and three in Super Bowls. Not just because he le- is the leading interceptor in Super Bowl history. Like he's throwing the most picks. The fact that I just don't understand it. Because when you look at Bradshaw, you know, two Super Bowl MVPs in a row. And I, and I think the big knock on Bradshaw is, is, is the stereotype that's out. You know, people called him dumb when he played. And he, got, he, he does comedy movies. Now he, he's... He's the funny guy on Fox doing the color analyst. But the Bradshaw called his own plays. He beat the Purple People leaders, the Cowboys twice, the Rams' very great defense. That Rams team was really good. They only got to one Super Bowl. They had Dallas in their way. They had Minnesota in their way. They had other great teams in their way. So, you know, Bradshaw had to, had to call his own plays in Super Bowls and make big plays late in games to beat these other great teams to make the Steelers a dynasty. You know, Joe Green was a great stealer. Uh, Mel Blunt was a great stealer. Franco was a great stealer. There's only one stealer that played head above shoulders in all those four games, and that's Bradshaw. Swan did not have a catch in Super Bowl nine. Stalwart didn't make a difference in the first two Super Bowls. Franco averaged less than 2.5 yards per carry in the Steelers' last Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think Joe Green had a sack. At, you know, I think he had one after in Super Bowl play after Super Bowl nine. Um. They all were good in those Super Bowls, but no one across the board from Super Bowl 9 to 14 made a difference in those Super Bowls except for Bradshaw. And, I, you know, I would have been okay looking at that list if Montana was ahead of him, even Brady. But, again, the argument with Brady is two, you know, the Giants twice, the te- teams that were far inferior than his teams lost. I mean, you can't say that about Bradshaw. When his teams won to the Super Bowl, they won. And someone asked me today, well, you know, if you need Elway or, or Bradshaw for one game, who are you picking? Bradshaw. He was 4-0 in Super Bowls. And you can play the whole, you know, virtual reality game where you put Bradshaw on those Bronco teams and put Elway on the Steelers teams. But I don't, live in, I don't live in those worlds. I live in reality. And in reality, Bradshaw won four Super Bowls, didn't lose any. Elway lost three and won two. And he has Terrell Davis to thank for those two. That was Terrell Davis's team, not John Elway's team. And I'm not taking anything away from John Elway. But when I saw that, that totally uh, dislegitimized that list to me. When I just saw that, I thought, I don't even need to see the rest of the 50 players they took. I have no problem with the, with the Golden team. I mean, Montana was great. Uh, Tom Brady is, is a great player. 
Um, but Elway over Montana or over Bradshaw to me is just, is just very, very disrespectful. So, um, but we'll wrap up the show now. Uh, I want to thank you guys again for, for joining us. Uh, we covered a lot of ground today. And, uh, well, before we get you out, let's, let's do one quick other story. It's about the Super Bowl. And we'll do a quick uh, prediction here. And it might change the next week. We'll, I'm sure we'll do another podcast. I'm going to go with my gut right now that the Broncos win. And the only reason why I say that is because whenever you think you know the NFL, you don't. And this team, this Super Bowl kind of reminds me of when the Giants actually beat New England for the first time and no one gave them a chance. I think if Denver plays just as hard as they did against New England, I think they have a chance to win. So we'll have to wait and see, though. But my whole thing is I'd love to see a good Super Bowl. You know, as all of you out there know, there's never been overtime in the Super Bowl. And that'd be great if that finally happened. So... But I'll do it for this installment of Steel Conversation. It's been Brian DeArthur reminding you to check out our Facebook page and also check out our website, pit.247sports.com. Thanks again for listening. As always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.